0: Good morning and welcome to the Information Revolution, a podcast of people who work in the information industry and just people who are interested in information. <laughs> my name's Carl Melrose. I'm a consultant in South Australia and I'm joined by my two colleagues. <laughs> Not know <a> Michael Upton. <laughs> Don't match up at once.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We obviously planned that one nicely. Uh, my name is Michael Upton, and uh, I'm based in Wellington, New Zealand. I call myself an information management consultant.
2: And I'm Judy Verno, and I'm also based in Wellington, and I'm an information architect. So, Carl, an interesting topic today, I think.
0: Tell us yes, about it. Yes, we are here to talk information valuation, which both endlessly fascinates me and scares me to death um because every time i look at it it just seems like a really really big hard thing to tackle um but also to me i think it's the answer if we can get it right to a lot of problems that we have in the industry you know one of the one of the i mean let's be let's be real about it one of the problems we have is we just have problems getting money people do not know how much money to spend on managing the information assets we have um, we don't really have a good way to look at information quality. Um, and I think all these things are tied together. You know, I, I think if an organisation, you know, let's say, buys a, you know, if an organisation buys an excavator, they know how to value the excavator. You know, they can take that asset, they can put it on the balance sheet and they can say, here's how much it's worth, here's how much money we're expecting out of it, all of those kinds of things. And they know how much money to spend to maintain it. And they know that over its life they can maintain it appropriately or they can, you know, reach a point where they start to run it down or, you know, they they keep it in tip-top shape because they want to sell it or something like that. Either way, they make a whole bunch of – organizations make a whole bunch of decisions about assets they have because they understand the value of them. And I really think that um, – for us in information management who are who are in a lot of cases struggling for funding i don't think we're going to see a, an appropriate level of funding until we we actually nail this problem of valuation because until we can fit into standard asset management models that organizations have i just don't think people know how how much to spend on us and i think that's part of the reason why we see this you know feast and famine funding curve in lots of organizations you know you get an you get a chief executive or a chief information officer into an organization who really believes that you know information's the lifeblood of the business and you know all, all of the clichés and so they fund it really well um and then you know they disappear and you know and I've seen this happen you know so I saw a local program funded amazingly well for 8 or 10 years you know 10 people in the team and now that program is literally one graduate student um in in the team here just because there was a change of CEO, so information valuation is our topic yeah. today. Yeah,
2: and you, you, you kind of touch on there something that occurred to me, like putting people on the balance sheet as well. Is is information? Is it the same as we think about people as well? I mean, you don't put you put people on the balance sheet, or really, I suppose you're putting their work on the balance sheet. But what's the how do you value that as well? Um it's I mean it's the labour that's valued, I guess, but then we're saying you also need to get your information to work for you as well as getting your people mm. to work for you. Is there any I, I'm just wondering about this, is is there Yeah. Are these two yeah, things I, kind I, of the same?
0: Look, I, I think there are some similarities. I mean you know, if I was going to hire a salesperson in a business, for instance, um, you know, I'm, I can look at a salesperson and I can say, right, you know, I, I, that person will bring them in and they can probably generate, you know, 500000 to million a million dollars of business for us or whatever it happens to be. And then you can start to look at the downstream consequences of that in terms of, you know, staffing up delivery teams and all of those kinds of things. I, I think we can, you know, you, you can kind of get a sense of what the investment there looks like. You know, same thing if you're hiring a consultant or something like that. You know, I mean, I, I, yeah, I,
2: yeah. You know,
0: you're bringing a consultant in. You know, you know that a consultant. You know, you can sit down and say that. You know, there, there's 210 hours in a year. Um, you know, we want to bill 65 of them at uh, 65 of them. You know, days there.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think yeah, yeah
0: the the You consultant... can kind of do the numbers on that kind of thing. You can value. You can sort of value that that kind of thing.
2: Kind of. I mean, I, I, was, I was thinking about exactly that as well, bringing in the consultants and what is the value of that. And generally, if we're talking consultants rather than just pairs of hands, it's you're paying for, for um, well-informed decisions. And it seems to me that most of the value of information is around that kind of that kind of thing. Making the right decisions, communicating yeah. the right decisions, making sure everybody understands what's going on and what needs to go on. And and that kind of led me back to, I think, something we've touched on before. Why do people create information in the first place? You know, to tell people, to record stuff, to help yourself think, um, I guess, for fun. But that's not a, necessarily a workplace thing. So. Yeah, I I really struggled thinking about this to know, because usually value depends on what someone's willing to pay, which is what you're saying here. And what would you pay for that ability to make an informed decision?
1: Um, When I was thinking about it, I was thinking uh, about how I think we have to think about sets of information um, or groupings of information that relate to particular outcomes. Like it's this... In my mind, I naturally linked it back to. Um, I'm not saying I have to. This is how my brain went, um, and I, I naturally just. We've got that whole thing of connecting information to sort of inputs and outputs. Like what's uh, what part of the business or what part of the work that we're supposed to be doing does the um, information either sort of uh, support in the sense of. Um, allow you to take action or allow you to make a decision or on the flip side, you know, it's kind of, it's the record of that that then might drive some other process. And uh, so I was thinking that one thing that would be challenging with valuation for me would be trying to think about um, sort of sort of the, the level that you're assessing something at. So for instance, I don't think you'd say, oh, each of these little pieces of data has got a worth or got a value. Well, I mean, You might be able to kind of get there, but I would have thought that you would say, oh, look, all of the stuff that relates to our ability to achieve a certain result might have a value, perhaps. Um, Yeah, but, I mean, I I too found it pretty tricky just thinking about it, and I do totally understand why we're here talking about it because, Mm. you know, over and over I do see that thing where basically – um, funding is driven either by particular personalities or driven by um, a reaction to something going horribly wrong and you get that boost for a bit that fades, yeah.
0: Yeah, and that's really, you know, like I, I always come back to the DICAR model, you know, and I think that's a useful mm-hmm. thing yeah. in these conversations. You know, it, it's what's the result we want and how's it? how does the quality of the information that we have mm-hmm. impact on our ability to produce that result? I mean, I think that's a a really... Useful place to start, and I mean it's where I'd start any program that I was involved in, you know, if I could. What's the result we're trying to produce, and how does the quality of our information help us help us do that? Um, and and Michael, you absolutely nailed. So one of the things I've been the the, the challenge that everybody seems to be having. One of the things I've been doing during the week is actually starting to review some of the academic stuff about information valuation, and. What's really interesting to me is that, you know, they they sort of, they sort of fall into, you know, there's a, they sort of fall into three categories. I mean, I think there's just something about people. We really like having three categories. Um, but I've been, I've bumped into a bunch of papers, and 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 they all come back to three three core three core categories. Um, even though the three categories <laughs> are different across some of the papers, it's kind of like, you know, people people just like things in threes. Um, but the what's really interesting is reading them all. There's a, there's an assumption of homogeneity about the about the information that underlies them, which just sorry, which just means that there is an assumption that the information is all relatively the same in some kind of way. So people keep trying to adapt economic and accounting models to to measure the value of information, and it's like they're kind of looking at it like. Um, Excavators, you know, we've, we've bought. I've got excavators on the brain because I have a three year old. Um, we have, you know, they're, they're valuing information like we've got a thousand excavators here and we want to value these thousand excavators. And you know, we can do that via either duty, as you said, you know, that that how much you can sell something for, you know, that that's the market model. Um, or there's the, you know, how much it cost us to buy it. So there's a, a historical cost idea. And then there's some idea about utility as well, which is, you know, how much it can drive our business. That's, that's pretty much what the models fall into. It's pretty much those three categories or, or variations of them. But the the thing that's really interesting and, and the reason I think people have struggled with this is that, I mean, I, I think that that approach will get you so far you know, I don't think the market valuation method, particularly for the kinds of clients that we work with, is just, you know, there's a big open data movement in government at the moment where, you know, they're trying to open source a lot of, you know, just sort of basic anonymized data sets and those kinds of things. But I feel like that's been dying down the last couple of years. So, you know, the, the, the market value method there probably isn't really useful, you um, the cost method too. I mean, realistically, the cost of capture for most of the data that we work with at the process level is actually huge, you know, compared to what we'll do with it across the rest of the life cycle. So, you know, I feel like if we value the data based on the cost and we worked with it based on its cost, I think we'd probably overvalue it. Um, but utility as well, I think that's kind of where we, we need to operate. But as I said, as I was, you know, keep getting halfway through a thought and moving on to the next one. Sorry, I'm tired. Um, we, the assumption of homogeneity there is the problem. We're assuming we've got a thousand of the same thing when the problem with information is you, it's more like trying to value keys. This is the kind of, this is the only analogy that I've been able to get to. You know, we've got a thousand keys here and we're trying to value them but the problem is that those keys only open a specific lock and so what we're actually trying to do is understand the value of of opening those thousand locks and <laughs> that that's a that to me seems like a really very complex problem um, and what it, what it comes down to for me is that you know i'm going to do some work in this space over the next you know couple of months because i just find i've got some time <laughs> um, and I think what it really comes down to is understanding, we've got to understand the sort of the, the key scenarios that we're going to deal with and how exactly, you know, and what the value of the, the information is, you know, what the value of a complete information set is in those situations. And, you know, the ones just because, you know, we, we do a lot of work with government, the ones that spring to mind are administrative and legal reviews. You know, if we get FOI'd on this, um, you know, if there's a, some kind of administrative tribunal that wants that you know provides the the ability to review a case or something like that you know what what is the what is the value of this information in that situation um, and i think you know we've got to move on there one thing i'm 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 really i'd really love to go and do some work on as well and i'm going to approach some local government about this sort of thing um you know, in local government you've got the concept of the NAR, you know, the name and address register, um, which is kind of like the core data set that pretty much everything else hangs off. You know, once once you've got once you've got someone in your, in the NAR, you've got their address, you know, you know they're a resident slash ratepayer, you know, all of the entitlements for service that they kind of have hang off that little piece of data. And so what's the value of you know, an accurate nah and you know, what's the value of being able to understand, you know, somebody's history as they as they are working with your your local government. So I want to go out and actually ask some, ask a lot of people in local government these sorts of questions and try and figure out what those utility type models of valuation look like. But yeah, that 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 is one thing that just struck me, that underlying assumption that we're trying to value things like, you know, like they're all the same. Like but that problem that I think what we're actually trying to do is value things like we've got a thousand keys and they all go into specific locks and we're trying to value them based on our ability to, based on whether we may or may not in future need to unlock that specific thing. And I think that's a, I think that's the challenge for information valuation.
1: Deep scenarios and more than one sense. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> Very dry, Sorry, like. dumb jokes aside. Well done. <laughs> um I certainly was thinking fatherhood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dad jokes without being a dad. <laughs> um I think um that yeah that, that that challenge of the heterogeneity then of the information and its potential value, you know, that's exactly what was on my mind as well. It's like um um one thing I've seen even in just uh sort of general conversations about the value or importance of records without talking about dollar signs um is that you'll have those people who are kind of obsessed with a just-in-case scenario you know the 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 slight possibility that we might use a piece of information in a particular context and something like a legal review is an absolute classic or you know maybe a full-on litigation that if we went to court we need to be able to basically defend ourselves um and what the, what's the likelihood that we're going to go to court? As good as zero. However, you know, if if we went, you know, we need a certain piece of information or a certain kind of information. And so, um, I I just have no experience with how organisations think about those kinds of risks and how to assign value to that. You know, to assign yeah. value to a mitigation for a, a, an unlikely yeah. but possibly high impact thing. That's, and so,
2: that's obviously much. Harder to assign a value to than information about what we might call casework, for example. You know everything that IRD needs to know about someone paying their tax or not paying their tax, or or government departments yeah, yeah. who do permissioning, or you know those kinds of things. Keeping keeping track of transactions, I guess, of one yeah, kind or another. Yeah, that kind mm. of that kind of information or data is obviously crucial to everything happening according to requirement or law or whatever it is, that must be possible. Well, I like I say, that must be possible to put a value on, but then how would you do that? I still don't know. I mean, it's it's what so, happens when so you don't have it. When you don't have it, things are going to fall apart.
1: What would the costs be of not having the information?
2: Yeah, exactly,
1: there, exactly. This is the – Either a loss of revenue or –
2: well, what, yes, that's, things, a, that's a
0: good that's point. One what, what of the things I'm going to go and do over the next couple of weeks is I'm, I'm going to go and learn a – there's a risk mat, um, quantification methodology called FAIR, which is Factor Analysis of Information Risk. And basically what you do is you go through and you kind of you, – you, you look at loss events and how often they actually happen oh. and you extrapolate from that, you know, on a sort of statistical basis. And what it's designed to try and do is get past – you know the the problem of you know the business impact levels, um, where you know people sit down and go, oh well, you know this is a medium risk and you know has a medium you know consequence, so you know we're going to rank this as medium. When what the hell does that actually mean? Fair try. Fair tries to get people down to actually do you know some quantitative data about what the actual impact and cost of that 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 event is. The comments that that you both made earlier, um about whether you know whether we need this thing um you know the the relatively small chance that we'll need it and those kinds of things i mean i think i think they're spot on i think the challenge is that we keep going to our organizations and saying we want you to spend a million bucks a year and you know i mean you think about an edrms for a for a decent sized organization well, let, you know, you got a couple of you got a couple of thousand staff, so you've got licensing, you've got servers, you've got personnel to maintain it, you've got upgrades and those kinds of things. I mean, you really don't get much change out of, you know, somewhere between five hundred grand and a million dollars a year. We're asking them to spend a million dollars a year on that chance, and it's if hey, it's really the, the reason I think we end up on the funding seesaw is because we can't sit down and say, you know, here's the cost to maintain this information. And you know that might be one cost. And I mean, imagine imagine what it would be like for everybody if um, every EDRMS, you know, was kind of cost aware. And you, and every single time you 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 know you you went in to have a look at your records, there was a dollar sign next to them that said, "Here is how much it has cost you to store this record since it was created." And you know, then here is here is our, you know, subjective valuation of this record based on where it is in its life cycle. And, you know, I mean, imagine how fast the cost logic of organisations would change if you could sit there and say, you know, you, you've got a <laughs> you've got a tiny little organization here. You've spent a million dollars on a record system. That means that the cost of storing every record that you've got in it, because you've only got ten thousand records, has you know been about ten bucks or something like like that, um, or a hundred dollars. It's been a hundred dollars per record. Um, and we've gone through and valued your records and found that they're only actually worth five dollars each, or something <laughs> like that. You're spending a hundred dollars to store a five dollar thing. I love it. I mean, I think that would be the. But I mean, I, I think, and, and you know, I, I don't, I don't think it would be like that. You know, I mean, I, I think we underspend and undervalue the records we've got, but because we can't value them. Not even accurately, you know. I don't. I don't think accuracy is really the thing here. The thing is agreement, you know. And and we it's as, really as we point. were talking in the pre-show, um, we we're going to try and interview some people who have done some of this work over the next couple of weeks. And one of them is James Price, um, who's a, a local guy here in South Australia who's done a bit of work on this sort of stuff and one of the things that i'm sure he'll say because we've we've talked about it a lot is that you know ultimately you kind of need the ceo to to sit down and say here's how we're going to value our information you know you know spoiler um, <laughs> here's how we're going to value our information because ultimately somebody with authority to drive that decision through the business has to do it mm. but once you can but once you can do that you know, I just I feel like we're going to be able to answer a lot of these questions. You know, are we investing appropriately? And and that's all that's all I think most of us need. You know, I, I think there's a general agreement that we are massively under investing in our information management and information quality capabilities in our organisations generally. How do we how do we raise that to an appropriate level? And I think the problem is that we we can't even tell people what an appropriate level is. And if we sat down with our CFO and said, "What's an appropriate level, I think our CFOs would be stumped as well you know and and CFOs respond like most like to that like they respond to everything else that seems strange they just say don't spend money on it um, and so we don't get any funding so you know I think we're going to be able we're going to be able to nail that stuff and I think that's where anyway that that's the kind of thing that I'm one of the things I'm going to be working on over the next couple of months because I think it's and I, I don't know you know it looks like based on the literature reviews that I'm doing, it looks like people have devoted lots of time to this, but it's actually going to
1: say earlier that I think, um, I feel like I'm on the outside of this going, Oh yeah, I've got some ideas, (laughs) but there's probably some people who have gone very deep into this and, you know, it's really exciting to hear that we might get James on. Um, yeah, great to get some guests in the mix. Um, I also just want to emphasize what you're saying there, Carl, about the idea that essentially we're we're just establishing a model that we all agree to um, and a kind of – it's almost like orders of magnitude, right? Like, oh, this one's a really big one and this one's a small one. I mean, I know you were saying about trying to get down to sort of the mathematical and quantifiable, but um, but kind of um, it doesn't have to be as exact as perhaps I try and make it when I – go spiraling trying to imagine how I would do this yeah
0: I, I think that I think the the homogeneity problem um, mm. to me what that means is that you're going to adopt some kind of statistical sort of approach to it which you know is that there is a probability of this record being worth X amount and there, there's a probability that it's worth this much and we're going to value it here and then we're going to value the whole data set you know at sort of an average or something like that so i mean i i think as i start to to delve into some of this stuff i think i'm going to start coming back to some things like option valuation and those kinds of things as mm-hmm. um or or future you know like like f- I'm going to go and have a look at futures pricing and those kinds of things, which is, you know, futures pricing is basically how you look at, you know, the value of something out into the future and how you establish a contract on that. It comes out of finance, but there's a probability kind of element of that sort of stuff. And I think that's the place I'm going to go and look. And, yeah, as you say, you know, the, the however however you value the information, the point is that our organisation agrees And we agree that this is how much we're going to value, so that we know we have a common basis for discussion.
2: The trouble is that so many people working in information management don't think about it in this way, and therefore won't have the the means in what whatever we mean by that to discuss it in those terms with the with the chief exec.
0: Yeah, that's that's.
1: that's, I was thinking before this that. Uh, you know, appraisal appraisal is valuation, right? As in, sorry, yeah, as in the yeah. word, for instance, yeah. But but I mean, just, sorry, I'm just meaning etymologically, like to appraise. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you appraise the value of things, like you know, as in, like you get an insurance appraisal, and insurance appraisal is hard dollars, right? Versus we have talked about appraisal and apply, you know, and work with this concept of appraisal that is not connected to economic value. Um, except in the sense of like in a really big way of sort of going, oh, these things are economic value to this government, um, you know, or to the citizens of this government or something, but not, um, um, I mean, maybe economics is the wrong word. I just mean sort of financial uh, internally, Mm -hmm. you know. And um, information asset
2: registers usually record the value, don't they? They usually say high, medium, low or the ones that I've worked on do anyway. Yeah, so there's some the, judgment around the, the,
0: it, but not, not dollars. It. Yeah, the yeah. With, the problem with high, medium, low is that you know, find me a financial valuation model, and you know, you you bump into things like net present value, which is, you know, what are all of the future cash flows that we expect, you know, from from this in terms of money coming in, and to this in terms of money yeah. going out, and, you know, with, with a you know adjusted for time. And that's how finance people value things. And so you put high, medium, low on something, and it feels good for people in information management to do that. But ultimately, it, get, it gets to finance, and finance people sit there going, "Well, what the hell am I supposed to do with this?" And and Judy, to your point, just to tie a bow in it, um, will people in records, you know, have the language and be able to have that conversation? Um, that's yeah. I mean, that this, was what, my this is why we finance and accounting people. This is why we've got finance and accounting people. I mean, we don't we we don't struggle um valuing excavators. We'll come back to excavators again. We we don't struggle valuing excavators because, you know, you go to inland in your case, inland revenue or our tax office, and our tax office and your inland revenue basically tell you how to value those things. They say that, you know, well, that's a piece of that's a piece of plant and Um, You know, it's got an operating life of X, Y, Z. And so you can put it on your balance sheet at the purchase price and you've got to depreciate that purchase price by, you know, a certain percentage of its its lifetime value every year. Uh, We know what to do with that. The problem is at the moment that nobody knows what to do with information. It doesn't appear on a balance sheet everywhere. And I mean, at first I'd love to see it appearing off the balance sheet. I'd just love to see a value against it. But eventually, I mean, if you get to the point where it starts becoming something that we we have some formal valuation models for and those sorts of things, it's going to start appearing on a balance sheet. And once it starts appearing on a balance sheet, I mean, it's a formal part, particularly for a listed company, it's a formal part of a, a CFO's responsibility to understand that valuation and to make sure that it's current and those kinds of things. And I think that if we do that, we start to get into the, we'll start to get into those financial cycles where, you know, in some way, it will, it will be out of our hands at that point. You know, I think we'll have to do all the work to get the valuation there. But I think then once that happens, it will be out of our hands and it will be in finances hands and they will just start valuing it like they do any other piece of plant and equipment. And once they do that, I mean, we can start to really understand the impact that quality has as well. One final comment on appraisal. Um, I think appraisal is useful, but I think where appraisal will fit into models like this is, I think what we're going to see is a curve, obviously, you know, where lots of use and then very little use. But I think appraisal tells you how long we expect something to be valuable for. It's not a valuation model, but it is a, this is how long we expect it to have any value. Problem is that, you know, there's no cost dimension to appraisal. So, you know, the cost rises linearly like this and, you know, our appraisal says that, you know, it's going to be – our appraisal says that, you know, the valuation is flat when well, realistically we know it's like this and at some point those curves are going to intersect and I think the problem is that everybody knows that they're going to intersect and because no one can see what the, the back half of those curves are, um, we over, they think we overinvest. And now I'll stop talking. Alrighty, cool.
1: So I, I guess, I mean, just as a closing thought, we're going to get James Price in next time uh, or very soon and very much looking forward to that. I guess one thing on my mind, thinking about those connections between uh, appraisal and valuation is that the nature of government is basically we are delivering services to citizens. And I do wonder about the the curly aspect of basically talking about impacts on people's lives and uh, even at a sort of policy and strategy level, you're setting the direction for how the state interacts with its citizens and records of that. Like, how do you place value on that compared to talking about, uh, you know, placing value on a particular transaction? So I'll leave that there as an exciting and curly uh, final thought and look forward to continuing the chat. If anyone out there has experience with working with valuation in the information space, it'd be awesome to hear from you. Alrighty, thanks one and all. Catch you soon.
2: Thanks everyone.